Empire. Welcome back to the John Conway Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there. Of course, you can find us there. You just did. But you can, if you're listening to this later, find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And you can always read my work on ESPN.com. So give me a listen there. As you can see, I'm joined by my pal, Nikki Javala from the Washington Post. Nikki, this is going to please all the Niquettes out there because you got your fan base here. So I always like having you on because good information and they do too. So we'll answer some questions in a little bit. I do want to start off with, you know, first, first game of the year, right? And how do you, going into the season, what are your expectations for this team, for this game? For this game, a win, I mean, who who do the Cardinals have? We don't even know who their quarterback is. I, I didn't even know who their backup was until I looked it up. Clayton Toon. Is that who's going to start? Um, can you hear me? I think it's going to be Joshua Dobbs. Okay. Well. We don't know yet. Yeah. No, I still expect to win. Um, as far as like long-term expectations, I think for Sam Howell, the big thing is to continually see progress. Um, you don't want his play to hinder the rest of the team. You want to see him continuing to, to develop, to get better. Um, and then for the rest of the team, I think anything short of a playoff run would be a disappointment. They have the talent on this roster. Um, and I don't think they should settle for less than that. Like, Oh, we, we, finished above 500 there's an improvement no I think I think this team should push for a playoff run um they're in a tough division it doesn't help um but I I do think they have the talent around Sam the offensive line I think they could still be maybe a little better than what some are expecting um but everywhere else say for maybe linebacker I think they're pretty well stocked and Nikki, I also wonder too, like you go in this year and it's obviously, we know it's a big year for Ron. We know it's a big year for Sam Howell, for Eric Bieniemy. You wrote about Bieniemy recently. I wrote about all three of them recently. So we know all that. Like what, how do you feel like they're dealing with the, do you feel like they feel pressure going into this? Sure. I think anybody in that organization feels pressure going into this. I think this is a, this is a, try out for everybody involved. I think this ownership came in and because of the timing in part, um, they bought the team literally, you know, five days before the start of, of training camp. They're like, let's, let's try to make as many smaller improvements as we can going into the opener and then really use this year to assess. And hopefully they don't get to the point where they implode and they need to make drastic changes and they can really see what they have and take stock. Um, so I think for everybody on the business side too, this is a year to assess. So everybody's basically trying out to keep their jobs. You also look at it too, like first game, Josh Harris is the owner. What kind of atmosphere are you expecting? Because we, Magic Johnson's going to be there. So I think anything that Magic attends, yes, brings an extra, oh yes, set of gravitas to it. So what are you expecting? Yeah, I mean they've already announced a sellout. Um, they've made some improvements at the stadium. Magic will be there. Um, and I think we'll see, 
you know, quite a number of celebs on the field pregame. Um, I think it'll be pretty packed. I think more attention, at least at first, will be on, you know, who's there in the stands than who's on the field and what's happening. But I think the focus will eventually shift. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a big deal going in is sort of the fanfare around this team because they really went from, in the words of a wise man named Drake, zero to 100 real quick. Um, so, you know, it's, a, it's, quite a, it's quite a difference from last year. They started from the bottom, now they're here, Nikki. Come on. Started from the bottom, now they're here. Um, so let, let's talk for a second. We'll talk injuries because I know people want to know about that. We did yeah. talk to Ron Rivera today. And I guess the update is there's no real update. And we know, like, it's going to be a day-to-day situation for both these guys. Is, is that, you know, what do you, do you, what are your expectations? And it's hard to know with injuries. It really is. But what, yeah. do, you, what do you think? I, I mean, this is not based on anything that I haven't, that you haven't reported, that I haven't reported. Um, I mean, we know Terry's going to be day-to-day. There's hope of him playing. We'll see. I still have a feeling both him and Chase play. Um, we've seen Chase at practice at least. Hopefully he gets the approval he needs to, to get back out there. Um, Terry, unfortunately, I think this is an injury that he could be dealing with throughout the season, learning how to manage it. And you hope it's not a super severe one where it hinders him, his play and he has to eventually miss time. But I think just – knowing Terry as much as we do, seeing him play through basically two ankle sprains at the end of the 2020 season. I wouldn't surprise me if he decides to get out there. I, you know, I, I think he's smart enough to know that he needs to be in, in really good condition to go out there and not just risk it um, and lose the rest of the season as a result. So I, he's one player I would trust to make the right decision. I know he would absolutely kill to be out there and if he feels like he's got a good shot he'll probably try but we'll see you know he's not going to be stupid about it well and that's the thing like the one thing with him with that injury is you point out like that's yeah. something you don't want lingering because it's, right. it's funny because i was asked on um by craig hoffman today on his show like he wasn't necessarily asking but there's that the perception like well you know you could just win without him you should just sit him to mm-hmm. me like they're not good enough to go yeah. into any game like that thinking oh this is a w We'll just rest guys. You rest him if you're, you sit him if you think there's like a chance for making it worse for the next five or six weeks, not right. because you're playing Arizona. And, right. But you're right. Like knowing Terry, he'll do what he can to get out there, but I think they have to be smart with him so right. it doesn't lead to something else. And the, and the whole notion of, oh, they can win without him, it's not just you know, can they use somebody else on that specific route? The threat of Terry McLaurin out there draws a defense more to one side. It opens up possibly somebody else. Um, His presence alone, and similar to Chase, his presence alone can change a coverage, can change how the defense plays them and opens up opportunities for others on the field. So it's not as simple as, you know, just replace receiver for receiver. And one other thing, too, and I, I kind of go back to a little bit with we're talking about the start about going into the season and all that. You've been around, we, you know, we both know Ron very well, and we've been around him all summer. I'm curious what your perception of, of how he's feeling going into the season and just what you've observed from him in the summertime and how he feels about this team and the spot they're in. 
Yeah, I get the sense that he feels a little bit more confident about where they are overall. I think he he likes what they've done over the last three years in terms of drafting. And you wrote about this. And I, I think they have been fairly good in the draft. I think some of their pro signings, and there haven't been a ton of them, to be honest. But I think those are more suspect than the others. Um, William Jackson. Um but I, I do think he he's helped to develop a group that is deep. He likes the character of the guys. Um, it's a well-rounded roster. I think he feels that their their mindset going into this season is better than perhaps it was in previous years. And I think a lot of that does have to do with enemy and the practice habits and the attention to details. Um, I think he does have confidence in Sam Howell. Um you know, it's going to take time for Sam to really prove who he is. I don't think one game, you know, the, the Dallas game showed some promise. The preseason showed some promise. And I don't think one game against the Cardinals is really going to show what he can do. It's just, you know, can he continue to show growth um, and improvement and not make the same mistakes twice and those types of things. And he's shown that throughout. So I think there's there's hope there. Um but to our, our part earlier, I do think Ron is feeling the pressure, you know. I think there's been some backlash to some things that maybe he didn't phrase right. Um, and he's he is feeling it a little bit. Um, and I think that's kind of only – that's normal given the circumstances. I'm starting to get the halo effect with the sun going down. Should I turn on my lights? It's going to be really yellow. I feel like Chris Russell – don't ever say that. Don't you don't need we don't need to go on that road. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> with Ron, let's stick with that too, because do you feel like they have this in a good spot? And he has had this in a good spot. Are they I feel like at this point it's pretty subjective. You could argue either way. I mean, we haven't seen an active game with this interior line yet. I mean, we've seen snippets from preseason, but that's not there's no game planning, there's nothing live there. So we don't really know what they are. I think they're still at this point a team founded mostly on potential. You know, they have some good skill players. They have a really good defense that has shown some stuff over the last three years. Um, but Sam, we don't know what Sam is. The offensive line is mostly new. We don't know what that is. Logan Thomas coming off another injury. We'll have to see if the tight end court can, can produce. I mean, last year there, I looked it up. I think there were 13 individual tight ends that produced more yards than Washington's four tight ends collectively produced last year. Um, you need that group to do more. Uh, what will, how will the run game fit in the enemy's offense? Will there be a strong presence in the run or will they be used primarily in the pass game? And there are just still so many unknowns that it's hard to answer that right now. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. The NFL is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use code KIME, K-E-I-M, to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code KIME, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. You know, it's funny too, Nikki, because one of the other unknowns is also like, how are they going to use the running backs? And I get, again, I'm sure you get asked that a lot too. Like, I think that Brian Robinson is going to have a really good year. Um, mm-hmm. And I know Antonio Gibson is is going to, you know, they, they like him on third downs and they like Chris Rodriguez. But when it comes to run game, like, I'm really curious to see what Brian Robinson looks like. Yeah. What, what have you seen? Same. I mean, I, I he looks slimmer to me. I mean, he is slightly slimmer. He's got a waist about this big, but he's still a powerful back. Um, he's been sound in the past game. Um, you can tell those guys are really keying on on the, on the details more, especially with the blitz pickups, their responsibilities and blocking. Um, but I, I mean, I've always you hear coaches all the time. The run game is a young quarterback's best friend. And I think Sam is going to need that. And it's, you know, of course, all dependent on the guys up front um, or mostly dependent on the guys up front. But I, I think the run game benefits both. And I think they're going to need it. So I, I love the way Brian Robinson plays. I hope they find ways to get him involved heavily, both in the run and pass games. Um, I'm also curious if we do, in fact, see Antonio Gibson become more of that pseudo receiver, kind of like he's been angling to be over the last couple of years. I know he speaks about it quite a lot, but he does have that capability. Um, but I, I, I do think Brian, like you said, could have a, a really big year. And to me, it's like it, you, you write you like he does look slimmer and it's the way he's moving through the hole, the footwork, the vision. I just I like what I've seen there. He catches the ball well, had some good pit blitz pickups during the preseason. Um, so, we'll, you know, and I am curious, like with Gibson, it's about can they get him the ball in space where he can use that speed? And that's where you come back to the screen game. Are the, you know, the line did not block it well. They did not run it well in the, in the, in the preseason. So what does it look like there? Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see. But the other side with – on the defensive side, have did you see enough from the defensive summer to know, like, yeah. the question to me isn't will they be a good defense. I think of this season they will be a good defense. But yeah. can they get off to a really good start? Are they in that position to do so? I mean, I thought last year they were in the position to get off to a fast start. Um, yeah, I, I think they have quite a bit of talent back there. I mean, I think that line is still very good. I like the rotation they have still up front. Um, I think John Ridgeway was a steal for them inside at tackle. Um, you know, and I, I, if Chase can come back, yeah, I, they, technically they should be even better than last year up front. And they were really freaking good last year up front. Um especially with the inside guys, John Allen, Deron Payne playing the way they did. If Montez Sweat can finish more and really produce, I, I think, you know, teams envy to have that kind of talent up front. Um, and then the secondary, I think they're deeper. I love their versatility back there. I think Emmanuel Forbes is, he is as advertised as the commanders advertised. I was skeptical at first given his size and he is very, very lanky. 
Um, but the the kid is a baller. I mean, plays fearlessly. Um, he's all over the ball. So I think he could be a huge help to the secondary. Um, and I, I think the depth in the versatility can help them mitigate some of the deficiencies at linebacker. I think Cody Barton, um, who's, I guess, he's sort of the replacement free agency, different sort of players, but, you know, he's still kind of unknown. And until we see a significant leap from Jamin Davis, I still think that that group is going to be a weak link for the team overall. Um, but they have enough pieces around them to kind of mitigate that weakness. So I like the defense. I think they have a chance to be really good this year. Um, and that too is going to be helpful for Sam. I think too, with that defensive line, like just looking at Sunday's game, the Cardinals have, I think it's three new starters on their offensive line. Right. That could be a problem for Arizona and Arizona is going to probably want to run the ball because you have those quarterbacks, whoever starts a quarterback, you're going to need to run the ball because Josh Dobbs just got there. Clayton Dunes, a rookie, you need to run the ball. And that's James Conner. So if they kind of take care of that up front, they're going to get off to a good start. Is it important for Sunday not just to win, but to win a certain way? Does it like in the NFL, a win is a win. You're one to know whether you're 14 to 13 or 31 to 10. But does it matter to you how they how they get it done? Doesn't matter to me, but I think a lot of doubts will linger if they keep it very close or if they have to come from behind to win against this team, given the state of the Cardinals right now. I mean, their their starting quarterback is out. The franchise as a whole is probably the replacement for the commanders last year in terms of the most dysfunctional franchise, I would argue. Um, they're, they're lacking talent in a number of places. I, I think they have some good players. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Buda Baker is a really good safety. Ron mentioned him earlier. They do have some talent. I think Zach Gertz is a very fine tight end when healthy. Um, but on paper, the commander should handedly beat them. So I also wanted to talk about, because you wrote about, we've all, listen, we've been around Eric Bieniemy all summer, all, you know, for the off season. And you wrote about him a couple of days ago in the Washington Post. Um, and people can go check that out. Just do a Google if you haven't seen it. But you did write about him. So I'm curious, like, did you learn any? I mean, we've been around him. We've talked to a lot of people about him. Did you learn anything new about him? Or is it, you know, I know there were, you talk a lot about details and stuff. Did yeah. you learn anything new about him through all this? I think it kind of reinforced a lot of the things that we've learned. Um, a lot of that attention to detail. He's a hard-nosed coach. He pre he's been preaching the same things that he's been, you know, he was doing years ago. One of the more competitive guys um, that I've, covered and you know in the NFL everybody's competitive they wouldn't have made it to this level if they weren't um but his competitive streak goes back years um I think people forget that he was a hell of a player at Colorado um this was what in the early 90s I mean he's their all-time leading rusher still um and he's a small guy undersized for his position so it's fun hearing some of those stories about you know, how he, he came in with Mike Pritchard. I mean, they had a really solid running back trio, really, um, and how they – what he was like as a player and how some of it has carried over as a coach. Um, I thought it was really interesting to hear from Maurice Jones-Drew, who played for him at UCLA. Um, and, like, like you, everybody's seen in, like, the NFL films with Adrian Peterson and, you know, with other players over the years, how 
there would be some arguments on the sideline with the enemy and the player. And then they'd come to realize that the enemy had his best interests at heart and they'd understand what his coaching was about. And it was the same case with Maurice Jones drew. Um, but I thought one of the more interesting an- anecdotes was later in uh, MJD's career. This was well after playing. Um, this is actually a few years ago. The combine said he was there and the enemy was there of course with the chiefs evaluating players. And he must've noticed that uh, Jones drew was, not really himself, just kind of seemed down about things. Um, and the enemy just, you know, told him, hey, come spend the day with me and Andy Reid. Um, and he basically shadowed them the entire day. And he made sure that while he was evaluating players, and that's a grind for coaches at the Combine. Um, you're going through the early phases of free agency. You're looking at draft guys. That is a lot of work. So for him to take time out, kind of put that on the back burner and have uh, – and, and spend time with Maurice Jones Drew. I think that meant a lot to MJD. And, you know, those are, that kind of shows you what the enemy is about. I mean, a lot of the people that are his supporters now that played for him, that argued with him as a player, are, are guys that say he's, you know, really a lifelong friend now. And you know what's funny about, about him, too, that when you get to know, like, he always seems to be in a pretty good mood. And yeah. he always, like, he comes off the field upbeat when you stop to, if you stop to say anything to him. He's always got a smile. He's always, again, you know, for someone who has this, it's not, and for him, like I would always tell people, it's not really that he's like a yeller. He's just intense all the time about, and passionate about football 100% of the time. But he's, but he's like easily approachable. He's, you know, there's, I mean, he's, like I said, you talk to him, like he's always smiling. And so like that, that just seems to be, there's a, there's a, it's really for him, it's an intense passion for yeah. this game. He's not an angry coach. He's loud, but there's a difference. He's not an angry get in your face. You know, he, he will be out there, but, you know, yeah. he can turn it off too. You know, and yeah. players have said, you know, in meeting rooms, he brings it down a notch. He's, he's amusing. He can, you know, there's self-awareness there. It's not just this, you know, let me yell at you till you want to quit type deal. So I want to get to a couple of questions over here and and go from there. And um, just one thing that and this is lead commander says we'll know about McCord and young status for Sunday. You, you will know tomorrow about their status. No, we won't know about their status for tomorrow. We'll only know about the practice. The first injury report comes out on tomorrow. We will not know their status for Sunday until Friday. Yeah. It's just that it's the first or practice later knowing Ron Rivera. We'll make it a game time decision and take it all the way up to game time. Yeah, well, yeah, and and that that's the gamesmanship going on now, and we'll see. I, I think we'll get a feel for where they're at if if they're out there practicing. If Terry McLaurin's out there running around that on Friday, yeah. like, you know, you know the, the big key to me on Friday for a receiver, if you are they do these little drills on Friday, like the red zone drills, and it's just on air. But if they're not including you in there you're not playing yeah. if you're a top guy, but if you're Terry and you're recruiting, including him in there, there's a decent chance you end up playing. So right. for Chase, it's just a matter of you got to get cleared for the neck and for contact. So, you know, that's when we, so we'll know. So it'll be on Friday that we'll know their status for Sunday. Right. And I, and following up on this, Raymond says that he thinks they'll probably be doubtful. I don't, I think they will be questionable because I, I, I don't, I don't know why if they're I don't think they'd be doubtful. I think it'd be questionable. May not play, but we'll find we'll see. Um, and then 
Again, Raymond says the biggest offensive X factor for Howell is how well AG24 plays. I think it's more on the O-line than AG. That would be. Can they protect him? Can they keep the run game going? I think AJ AG has a potential to – I think he's due for a big game, first of all. I mean, you know, he's dealt with injuries over the last few years too. He slimmed down. I think he has a potential to have a big breakout game that could sway the outcome of a one game. But I overall, I do. I think the O-line will have a greater impact on Howell and the offense. I absolutely agree because I don't think that – I think if Robinson – I mean, I'm like I said, I'm very high on Robinson right now, but I don't – I think the line will be the, the X factor because it allows him to do a lot of yeah. things. Um, Will Weber wants to know, has Barton played behind a D-line this good? I'll start. You can answer after I'm done, Nikki. But no, he has not. And when you watch him, when I went to watch him in Seattle last year, you could tell, like, the the double teams did not respect the D-line and all that well. And so they would get to the linebackers. And it did seem to take them a little bit of time to get going even last year with Seattle. So, but no, no, I mean, very few people play behind a D-line this good. I think the big adjustment he's going to have to make is getting used to this defense and playing fast. Because one of the things I would see from him this summer is he wasn't always playing to his the speed that he needs to be. So you might be a little bit late to those double teams. And so whereas you watch Jamin Davis might meet the double team or may force him off there early, he's meeting someone in the backfield. Barton is still kind of feeling that process out. So I think, you know, but yes, but this is a, so what he can do though, is if you attack those double teams behind Allen and Payne, now you're making the offensive lineman have a choice. Who are you going to pick up? And if you get off those, the difference in Seattle, you get off the, if the D offensive lineman got off the double teams, the tackles weren't hurting them. They'll hurt them here. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think Washington's D line right now is one of the best in the league. Um, so yeah, he has not, and he, he was only really a starter at linebacker for one season. He was primarily special teams previously, um, right? Yeah. So here's another one from Blaine. Even though the D was top five, they started slow last year. That's a worry. So, and I and I agree with you, and that's why I brought up. One of the things that I was wondering about this, too, and I haven't talked to a lot of people about it, but the last couple of years, they haven't, they haven't been facing an offense in practice that had challenged them enough. And so you get to the season, and do you really know where you're at? And I also think, you know, a couple of years ago was Landon Collins moving to the Buffalo Nickel after they finally convinced him that, okay, we'll call it, you know, a safe, a, a big safety. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, you know, and then, then William Jackson, that experiment failed after four games. So I think there were things that took place. I also think they know more about them after those two days in Baltimore but I, you know, I just wonder if in the past you're facing guys that did they give you a false sense of who you were and do you have a better sense of that now? What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree totally. Um, you know, I, I, now that this defense and it's the guys have been together for at least a season together, if not more. Uh, you think about the veterans in that secondary, um, Kendall Fuller, Percy Butler now has a year and Derek Forrest back there. Up front, you got the four starters. You got John Ridgeway who has a year. You have Casey Tuhill and James Smith Williams. And I mean, these guys have been in the system. They've played alongside each other for a while now. You know, to your point about familiarity, and I think that goes a long way. Um, so I hope they don't start slow. I don't think there's much reason to start slow this year. Um, and I do think those two days in Baltimore 
going against the Ravens. I always think joint practices are a good gauge in the offseason. Um, we'll see if that if that helps. And so Steve wants to know, is Sly, Joey Sly on double secret probation after last year? Well, they did bring in a kicker this spring and he, or summer, and he beat him out. The hard part is when you when a guy has a good leg and they do feel like he's a good leg, then you're going to give him extra chances. But it's been a roller coaster with kickers here, and he's got to be better on extra yeah. points. And Badgley was probably better on extra points, but the kickoffs were always going to right. be an issue for him. But you know what kind of what kind of leash do you give Joey Sly? Yeah, I mean you certainly want to see consistency. How many good kickers are just sitting out there though? It's like quarterbacks, you know. Sure, you would love to make an upgrade. Yeah, just go get a better player. Well, they're usually not sitting around unsigned if they're really that good. So, um, you know, I I do think he has been good. I think one of the things, just as we're talking about the special teams, you want to see them, you know fix whatever issues there were with the long stopping. Um, so that doesn't become an issue. Um, and ho- it looked like they did late in preseason. So hopefully that's all ironed out. And I'm going to get to address Ryan's comment here, but Blaine also said he wonders how, and this is something I also want to talk about. We've talked, I've talked a little bit about this on here before, but about interesting to see how EB impacts the historically slow starts. I don't know about historically slow, um, if you don't win a game, that would be a historically slow start, but yeah. they've been bad. They've been very slow starts. And I think, I think part of it would be on the enemy and just the, the, the practice tempo they, they used the intensity in practice. And I, and we go, I go back to those joint practices where you actually got to learn about guys against different players in a, not in a, in a good situations you could run them through. So I think you learned a lot more. So I think that helped. Um, as well. So, you know, I think you can. And then Ryan Hodges says, no matter what happens Sunday, there's a new feeling, a new lease on life around this team. Super excited. And that's a sentiment that I think we all understand and realize. And just, I wonder how much, Nikki, do you think that can help this team? And Ron brought it up today in the press conference. Like now it's just, they're no longer, he likes the interesting and important stuff. There's no longer worried about what's interesting. Now focus on just what's important. Right. Um, there was a lot of interesting stuff that's happened here over the years. How, how much, how big can that be for them? I think it can be huge. I mean, I feel like in many respects, Washington was sort of a black hole in the NFL. You know, I think a lot of talent came here and didn't produce as well as they probably should have. Um, The team didn't go far as they probably should have because of, you know, management at the top. And I think Josh Harris's ownership group, they're going to have, a pretty solid honeymoon just in the fact that he's not Dan Snyder. Um, How long that will last? I think that will depend on the team. You know, they win this game. Everybody will be thrilled. They win the next game. Everybody will be thrilled. But if they start to lose and the the losses stack up, you know, it may not be as dire as it was before, but until you consistently win games, I don't think you're going to win back fans. You know, there may be an initial surge, based on the excitement on the fact that there's a hope there's a chance now of of real substantial change but you still got to fix the product on the field absolutely and here's the other so i'm putting up one from chaplain rashid fry we we've seen what happens when men believe in themselves so that's not really a question that's obviously just a statement but i'm curious i just was curious there do you think there's a different belief around this team do you think they feel like they're ready to maybe be 
you know, to not just like to go beyond eight or nine wins and maybe win a playoff game. Do you think they have that belief? Do the players have that belief or do the fans have that belief? Players, yeah, I, I think they feel like they have a chance now. I don't feel like they had a chance with the last administration um, because something would always pop up. There would always be one disaster after another. Even if, when they win, there was always, it was incredible. Even after a really good win, there was like some breaking news right after and they could re never really enjoy it and build off of it. So I think now they have that chance. The slate is mostly clean, but they got to, they got to build it back up. Um, and this is, this is, you know, like phase two of it really, you know, changing owners is part one, but now it's phase two has to begin. You got to really put in the work on the football side. There is, there is more hope with EB running the offense. I feel like a lot of players on that side really do believe in this system and believe in B enemy. And that is, that is increasing hope even more. So they just got to put it all together. Just a couple more here. And I agree with you on that. Like there were the lack of confidence in, in Scott Turner at by the end of the year was, was pretty high. And yeah. so like, that was a big thing. And it's funny because one of the things that if, if this offense does well, well, the guy who's going to credit is the and Sam Howell and all that. But I, you know, and I give Rivera credit for recognizing that he needed a big change yeah. because you don't, you, you, you know, like, and, and not worrying about who gets the credit and, you know, we'll see wherever it goes. But I think that that's, you know, that was a necessary move. And so, but I think like the enemy, his impact could be pretty big anyway. So, and then this one in this version of Del Rio's defense would be important for the D line to stop any running back or quarterback running the ball. Cause there's a big hole behind them since they de-emphasize linebackers, only two core linebackers. Isn't I'll say this. Nobody idiot. runs three linebackers anymore. I mean, just yeah. nobody yeah. does. Everybody runs nickel. Nickel's the new base for everybody. I feel like. Yes, there, that is that's the base. And if you want to stop running quarterback, you're not doing it with three linebackers. They'll kill yeah. you on that. And so you stop it with like when you had the, the one thing that I like about the, the couple ways they have to stop those running quarterbacks be a more assignment sound. So, and I don't know that you're gonna have to worry about this on Sunday, but when you play. You know, I mean, any quarterback who can run, you've got to be a Simon Sound. You know, Daniel Jones, it's always that zone read that they, for some reason, don't realize he might keep the ball. So you've got to stay wide. If you're assigned out here, stay out there. It's the rush lanes. It's all that. But the other thing, Nikki, and it goes back to what you said, and this is the reason I want to bring it up, is the versatility of the defensive backs. Because mm -hmm. you can go to a 4-1-6 setting with Cam Curl and Derek Forrest and maybe even Quan Martin, depending where he's at with his development, and use some you know bigger, quick you know, safeties who can play in the box that gives you more speed on the field to handle those running quarterbacks. And that's we saw that a few years ago. The Chargers, I think it was, did that against Lamar Jackson. You know, they could use, you know, they use what seven D backs, I think, that game. So there are a lot of ways to do it. And you know, I think where the it's a linebacker depth that you want to see better. Um, and will the starters be good enough? And so I don't think that's that's not de-emphasizing the position. That's just you either hit or you didn't on your evaluation of guys because they did draft a guy in the first round. Um, he's right. just going to play better, and this has to be a big year for Jamin playing behind this front. Right. That right. talent it would behind that talent should result in an all-pro year at some point. Right. No, I totally agree. And we have seen more dime in preseason and camp, so be interesting how they use them. So anyway, Nikki, that's, I that's all I have for me.
Um, any anything you want to anything any last minute wisdom here or anywhere? Well, first of all, tell them where they can find you. I know I always ask this question. Um, at WashingtonPost.com slash sports or on Twitter or what do they call it now? X on the X. Um, my handle is at Nikki Jabala, J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A. If you look at my Instagram, I will warn you now, it's only dog photos. So don't get too excited. If you love dog photos, I'm here for you. But otherwise. I hadn't noticed. Anyway, Nikki, thank you for joining me. Thank everybody for tuning in. I will be back on Thursday. I will talk to Josh Weinfuss, our, my ESPN counterpart in Arizona. On Friday, I will be doing um, breakdown of the game, prediction, etc., and then have a wrap-up after the game on Sunday. So thanks, everybody, for joining me. Thanks, Nikki, for joining me. I'll talk to you next time.